Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. So today, first of all, I love talking to people where we have to figure out time zones, spoiler alert, other country, always excited about that. And I found this woman, what caught my eye, let me give you a hint, the name of her blog is called Find your joyful life. So, of course, you know, I jumped all over that. I'm like, you speak my love language. Please, 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 we need to talk. How lucky that she is a not only the creator of this blog, an author. We're going to talk about her new book, and she has another book also. And she is a women's success coach. Listen up. We all need to hear it. So with that, I want to welcome Mary McGuire. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction. And it's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. Okay, so let's just jump in because there's a lot I want to know. So first, we're going to start with, tell us about you anywhere you want to start. Well, as you said in the intro is I work with women to help them find their authentic success in life. And particularly, I focus on their career, but I focus on that in the context of all of their life. And what I've learned over the years is that success is an inside job. It's not something that comes from outside and external success. It comes from our own sense of who we are and what we're about. And I had a quite difficult path to my success. I've been 20 years as an international consultant working with global companies all over the world. And from that moved into particularly helping women to become leaders of them global organizations. But I came from quite humble background. Um, As you can hear from my accent, I'm English. I was brought up in a inner city area in England called Birmingham. It's the second city of England. It's an industrial city. Certainly when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, it wasn't a very nice city. It's not bad now if you want to go and visit. <laughs> my parents were Irish, hence my name, Maguire. I have very clear Irish heritage. Um, moved over from rural Ireland in the 1950s. 
I was the youngest of four surviving children. And by the time I came along, pretty much everything had fallen apart in our family world. I rather suspect it was never stable and good at any point, but certainly by the time I'd come along as the as the youngest. So my mother was very highly anxious and neurotic. My father was an alcoholic. My next sister above me was auti- mute autistic. And we had this very chaotic upbringing where there was a lack of nurturing and a lack of support. And I don't say that in a way that blames my parents because my parents came from a place where they didn't get the nurturing and they didn't get the support. Significant for me was when I was going through the school process and then leaving school and thinking about work life, the expectations on me were very low. So I wasn't expected to do well educationally. I certainly wasn't expected to go on from from my school and, uh, and do college work and go to university. And certainly the idea of a a public life, which was a career driven by my goals and my intentions was something that was so far out of my stratosphere to be almost like a fairy tale. (laughs) So I'm a product of of a woman who knows that your past does not need to define your present or your future. Please say that again. Say it's just... Please say that again. It is so important. Absolutely. So I am a living example of somebody who says your past does not need to define your present or your future. Yes. Okay. And our childhood, you know, if it isn't the springboard for our success, Sometimes it is, but if it's not, which I think for many of your listeners, particularly your women, it won't be, it doesn't need to be an inhibitor of it either. So, so true. So from what I hear, not much is expected. And and quite honestly, I had something very similar where, you know, what do you have to go to college for? My friends were going, I, yeah, well, you know, I took the work route, but I'm hearing it already, regardless of you know, you see that things are chaotic at home and yet you just know that, no, I'm going to, there's more. You knew there was more and I haven't even heard much more of what you have to say. Did you always know that? Because I always knew that in me. Well, I always say hindsight gives you 20-20 vision. So where I am now, I would say I always knew. But when I was going through some of the really tough times, so when you come from a family, both a poor and chaotic, you are a figure of not only ridicule, because people would see my father coming home drunk and things like that, but also a bullying as well, because you, you're not dressed well, you don't come to school well, Kempt, you know, you clearly have hand-me-down clothes. So you're one of them people that's very easy to pick on. And in my tough days and in the days where people were really, really mean and nasty, I didn't think things will get better. But if I look back on it, I never, ever felt this is it and this is all it's going to be. So there was something in me, there was some strength and resilience in me that said things will get better. You know, this this will pass. And I wasn't as sanguine and as philosophical as I am now, but there was some seed of it in me that helped me to get through it. Wow. And then so. Were you always a student of more, I mean, a busy career woman, you know, spring forward to, you know, international companies of which I want to assume, I hate that word. So let me ask you and find out for sure. 
as a woman in a high-ranking role in an international global company, how many women are you meeting in the ladies' room? Not many? Yes. So what I'm, I am meeting women in the ladies' room, but they tend to be the women that are in the more support roles. So how many of them am I meeting that are in, you know, a global director, a GVP role, a C-suite role? Not many of them. Um, and that's the reality. And that was something I observed. So it, it took me a while to settle down into adult life and actually looking at building a springboard of my career. And just a little route into that for me was settling down into a stable, loving relationship where I had the nurturing and I had the support I didn't have as a child. And my partner really believed with me. My partner is a woman called Joy. Hence, I use her name in my Find Your Joyful Life. So your joy find tip. So I do have a joyful life and I have a joy in my life. That is um, so, f- I love it. So perfect. Yeah. So it, that really helped me and, and built my confidence built on getting that strength, resilience and support around me in, in my relationship. That was very key. But when I, so I went on a social work initially degree, then I've done two further master's degrees in business and in uh, human resources to really understand the business world in a more rounded way. And helping organisations to get better, do better, perform better, engage better is what I've done. But my observation was the women weren't doing as well as men when we got to a certain level of leadership. And for me, it very much came down to a structural inequality that exists, which is what motivated me to write the book to make women more aware of it. But also we have these mental models of leadership, of strength, of assertiveness that tend to assume that men will be better in these roles than women. And the reality is, and the long-term studies show they are not, but we still have this inherent bias to put men in positions of power over women. How do you, I mean, okay, so you realize that and how do you do you develop programs? How do you want to lock arms to bring your your comrades with you? How does that happen? It's it's easy. You see it. And then also. OK, one question. Here we go. Remember what I said? I'm going to ask a, a bunch. And then do let's say the women in the supporting role or do they want that? Do they want to elevate themselves? Do they see themselves, you know, in that room next to you and with, you know, in the room where it happens? Or are they okay typing up the agenda? I think that is a fantastic question. So let me go back to one that came out earlier, which is where where does this all come from for me? So when I was in this unique position as a global transformation coach and consultant, I would be going in, I'd be working with people across all levels of the organization and particularly the women. I would bring them in. I would help them. I would support them. I would coach them and help them to do well with their particular area of work. And that then started to morph into me doing particular coaching programs for women, professional women who wanted success. And I'm going to unpick your question a bit more, which is do women want it and do they see themselves in these roles? Because quite a few women who don't see themselves in them top jobs because 
there aren't any women in them top jobs. And it's like, well, clearly it's not people like me who get to them top jobs. And if you layer on other diverse characteristics, so if we're talking about women of colour, if we're talking about women in same-sex relationships, if we're talking about women with some form of disability, um, they definitely find that, that the road to success feels like it's it's filled with thorns <laughs> and they're not going to get there. So there is an issue about do I see somebody like me in the successful roles and lots of women don't. So they think, oh, there's clearly a limit and I can't go any further. I think organisations are getting better at lifting them thorns up and allowing that path to happen. But they're very, very, very slow at it. And they're not quite getting to some of the issues that are inherent barriers. The second part of it is a very real practical consideration for many, many career women. And as a result of that, they say, well, if an organisation is going to expect me to work all hours, to travel, to be away from home, then I don't feel that's a path for me. So there's a little bit of seeing people who are in them successful roles who look like me, feel like me. And an organisation recognising that we'll put a lot of pressures on you as a leader, but we'll recognise you have a home life and we'll be considerate of that as well. The balance is very important. Um, and again, it takes a strong personality to, I'll say, want to be that trailblazer, like I'm going to be the first one in there. And believe me, there are many women who have, you know, led the way. But if you find yourself and you're like, because it's, I'm sure it's, and what if this doesn't work out? You know, again, here we go with those, they people, what will they say versus what's the worst? You know, I'm always a, I'm a 50-50 thinker, meaning if you don't ask, then it's a no. At least if you ask, you're you're improving your odds by 50% because you may get a yes. So why not try? You're at the end of the day, you're still alive and hopefully you haven't lost an eye. So you may as well just try. Couldn't agree with you more. And, and feeling comfortable asking and not getting, it's okay, because you're still further down the road than you were. And I say to women, I mean, they particularly feel it if they've gone for a job and they're not successful. I say, but even if that's not the right role for you, or that didn't work out, what you've done is you've put a, uh, a beacon out there to say, I'm hungry for more and I'm looking out for my next opportunity. And that in itself is very, very powerful. So asking the question has the same thing. It's giving people an idea of I am actually wanting more and I want to ask you for more. Right. I love it. So you're coaching and then is that going to be a natural morph into let me focus on or let me start the blog to, you know, chronicle Here's what we're going through. Similar to someone gave me a microphone and I learned how to turn it on. So game on. <laughs> <laughs> they made that mistake. So now not shutting me up. Yeah, I think that the uh, the blog, um, I've got um, a business blog and a, and a transformation blog is, I think I'm just a chatty person. And I think all of us who are chatty, chatty women, there's chatty men out there as well. We want some way to communicate. So podcasts, blogs, books, you know, they're all great ways to do that. But yeah, there was a little bit of a journey I had to go on to get to the point of really understanding that success is an inside job 
and how we work through that. So I had a major breakdown in my health in 2008. I was in Africa working, got a form of amoebic dysentery, fell apart (laughs) in every way possible and had to really, as a result of that, build my health back up but also ask myself some deeper questions about what I was doing, what my life was like, what was going on. And that was my route through understanding more my mindset, my energy, my thinking patterns. I got more into mindfulness, got more into patterns and behaviours, which were just kinder to me, a form of self-care. So that was my first book, Coming Home to You, as in all of our journey is coming back to ourselves. And what that helped me realize is actually the majority, if you see somebody who's really successful, like they've been successful on their own terms, they've done things on, they've usually got something going on internally, which says, um, I can do this. I believe in my goals. I am worthy of this success and I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. They might not do it at a conscious level, but that's what they're doing. And, you know, how do we help women to get into that mindset rather than staying in the place of, but it's not people like me who are successful or people won't take me seriously or what's so special about me? Women are very good at playing small. Women are very good at feeling like they're an imposter and they don't have a right to be there. Women are very good at being hard on themselves and feeling that everyone will judge them because they're not absolutely perfect at something before they say they can do it. I was out to dinner last night with some friends and we were talking and I was, and life is not the Pinterest board. And, and even now, even before Pinterest and, and even before Insta and even before, you know, the styling of life, it was still, you know, before that, perhaps it was Martha Stewart. Before that, it was, again, there's always been this uh, bar that this is what it represents. This is the epitome. You want to get there or eh, you're just here. So it's just so interesting that, you know, really as, you know, Dorothy, as the good witch had always told her, you've always had the power, you know, now you have a phone, flip it to a selfie, look at it and say, you've always had the power because that's where it begins. Without a doubt. All of us, all of us have this divine spark of energy in us a seed which is for us to find what is important for us and shine brightly in the world and own our own brilliance but our everyday life is all about not making a fuss not making a big deal in the business world you know don't be going around and blowing your own trumpet you know it's very much about holding us down and it's like that's not the way we're meant to be If we look at the natural world, when a rose bush is coming into flower or a tree is coming into bud, it doesn't think I won't have too many buds because I don't want to outshine the tree that's next to me. It wants to flourish as much as possible to its absolute fullest in its natural state. And as humans, that's our job as well. Love that. Love. Yeah. Because you know what? There's plenty of sun for everybody. There's plenty of water in the ocean for everybody. We're not going to, if I take this, you know, oh, but what about her? No, no, there's plenty. Everyone can fill their bucket and still have more and keep on moving. Tell me about 
the new book? First, start with the title. Where did it, you know, the whole premise of it? Tell us, tell us, tell us. Yeah. Well, um, I'm very excited about the book. So the book is called The Female Edge, Accelerate Your Leadership Ambition and Craft a Career on Your Own Terms. Because I believe that is possible for every woman. So it's based on the coaching programs I do, but I, I encapsulated it into what really is is the four stages that actually help women to become successful. So it's the edge model. So these four stages are E for evaluate what got you here. So I encourage women to actually do a, do a review of what's been the influences of my career to date, what have been the opportunities that have come my way, what have been the good experiences, what have not been so good experiences, and how do they help me to appreciate what I've got today and whether today serves me and my ongoing path or doesn't. So evaluate what got you here. Then the D is define where you want to go. So that's the intentional living, the goal setting. And I encourage women to think about that as a three to five year journey of success, but very much put the career in the context of life. You know, think about it in terms of all of the other things that are important in terms of your loved ones, in terms of your children, if you're having them, in terms of other people that actually you support or rely on you, and also the community at large and what you want to do in the community at large. Then the G stands for grow into your ideal leader. So what's the habits, the skills, the mindset that you need to embrace to allow you to feel fully empowered as the leader that you want to be in the world? And just again, for your listeners, leadership is something we all do. So I'm not just thinking about that in a big corporate environment. Great, if that's your career. But if you want to do it as a solopreneur, if you want to do that as a community leader, if you want to do that as a really conscious, loving, supportive mother, they're all really important leadership roles. Right. It's not just in in the working element. Exactly. And then the final E is empower your success. So that's about how do you build around you the right support, the right nurturing environment for you to get what you need to be able to cope with everything that comes at you as a leader. So that includes things like allies, it includes sponsors, it includes you being able to have really open conversations with people and that included the dreaded f word feedback being comfortable with giving and receiving things like feedback so you can actually have more rounded conversations and a a greater awareness of how you are in the world around you wow love 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 i'm going to start to sing in a minute but i want to just start with what you just finished with the e empower how to that is they're all so good so you, you again here we go no not complete sentences okay i'm going to build to it how long have you been thinking about this book and i guess bringing all of your ideas to this focused step by step here's how you and and i like it's how it's broken down versus okay go become the greatest badass that you can good luck uh, okay i've never done that before and where do I begin? Oh, today's not a good day. I'll wait for tomorrow. So how did you decide on the steps? And I'm thinking because it's spelling out a word 
these steps are in order? Like you're building toward? I'm building a journey. So there's a number of things. One of them is, as I said, I've been a transformation consultant for 20 years. So going into organizations and working out how do you stop working the way you've been working for however many years and move into a new way of working and what's the what's the process for that? And it's always practical. You know, what are the practical steps? What are the actions? What are the new ways of working we need to get in place to make this happen? So as a result of that, all of my coaching programs are very much geared towards action because I say change never happens through thought. It never happens through ideas. It happens through what we do. So moving to action very quickly is really essential for all of us to get to a transformation, to get to a new state of being. So it's very focused on that. So it's built on a a number of insights and models and tools I created from a coaching programs, but also some of the strategic tools I worked with my uh, clients on as well. So it's, again, coming back to the, there's a a number of really important premises um, of my coaching programs, but particularly what I've put in the book, I've just put it all into one place in the book, which is, as I said, success is an inside job. But to understand success internally, we need to connect with a little deeper about who we are, what we're about, and what we want to achieve in the world. So that step of let me stop and work out where I am right now and how I got here is something we just don't do very often in our life. So taking that time, and it doesn't take long to do, it's more having a facilitated process with somebody being able to guide you and have a conversation with you about it that brings the insight so it's not difficult it's just not something we do very much so stop look at where I am and then I encourage women to see their career as a journey and I use lots of metaphors in that journey and one of the tools that I created was a career compass and the idea of the compass is its values what are the values that are driving me what are the values that drive me forward what are the values that actually hold me accountable to myself and the values that hold me accountable to the world uh, around me and the people that I want to serve so building that compass again builds awareness about what is really important to me and that really helps us once we connect with our values we can make far more informed decisions about our next steps and where we want to go And then the moving forward and the defining where you want to go, I use a tool that I've used for many years with my global companies called a vision and roadmap. So what's my big vision of what I want to achieve? And what's the roadmap in terms of my different areas of my life that I want to achieve things in? So that's career and organization. It's also family life. It's community. It's my relationship with money. It's my relationship with with the environment. So it's thinking about it in the wider context of that then helps you know to to work out i mean you've mentioned all the technologies we have around we have a very noisy world nowadays you know there's lots of technology there's lots of distractions you know both both from our career from our family life from from lots of the apps and social media we have around us and the more distracted we are the thinner our resolve to achieve something so the more we can bring that energy back to our focus of what's really important the more we can move them distractions away and actually get on our right path and and follow the journey that's right for us wow okay so Quiet is what you need. And it's amazing how clear you become in quiet and silence. And it's something that I know 
many people fear. So I'm coming off of last weekend, my our daughter got married. A fun-filled, a fun-filled week. It was amazing. It's it's an amazing experience. We laughed, ate, drank for I don't even know how many days. I was just like, I can't keep this pace. I really but it was so good. And then, you know, as the day after and we're flying home and not a lot of, you know, we kind of recapped a couple of funny things, but I just, by the time I got home, I, I sat quietly for just about an hour and a half. I'm exhausted. Let me go to bed. And I've spent my entire week and, you know, normally I'm, I listen to podcasts on my way to work and I've been just sitting in a car, very, very quiet and traffic's been a bear. It's been taking much longer and it just, you need it. Your brain needs a rest, an absolute rest. And, you know, now I'm one week later and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And like, I'm, let's record. And you really need to give it, you know, it's an, it's, it's a muscle that, you know, it's like when you've eaten too much or drank too much, it's take a little, take a little break from it. And you know, God only knows what my screen time will say this week compared to last week of constantly checking the phone and what time do we have to be where and pictures and all that. And probably, uh, you know, between the phone and Amazon, Amazon's like, what did, what happened? You haven't ordered from, from us in three days. Is everything okay? You know, where are your normal five boxes? Uh, it's, it's good. And I look forward to nothing. I look forward to that don't need it. Then that's, I'm not a TV watcher. You know, I'll catch up on a weekend. Don't need it. Maybe a little music, but it really, for me, that resets. That's a nice little, all right, now what do we got now? Now let's go and, and things do become a little clearer. I just want to build on what you said, because I, I completely agree with you. And and again, uh, all of us who've actually been on a plane will hear that message time in time again, which is if the masks come down, put your own mask on first before you put on somebody else's. Now, there are very practical reasons for that. But if we move that into the, you know, our everyday world and, our, and, and, the, and the world of our energy, because we're all energy beings, if we're constantly, think of it as an energy bank account. If we're constantly making withdrawals, here you have some, here you have some, we get into overdraft very quickly. And that was exactly what happened to me. So my my crash, you know, 12 years ago, my health crash, part of it was I was just in the wrong country at the wrong time, without a doubt. But part of it was I was I was bankrupt. Energetically, I was bankrupt because it was all about the external world and my work and you know, and I had no idea about that. So it's that thing about what you're saying is I put, I made lots of withdrawals during the wedding because everyone was there and it was important. And now I want to make the deposits, which is me being quiet, me giving myself the time, giving myself the space. And that's the way we bring the energy back to ourselves. And it's, you know, again, little things that are important and touching on, let's say, judgment. Now, my kids are older. Even when they were younger, I, yes, got my nails done and maybe and went for a pedicure and went away weekends with some girlfriend. I did all of that. They survived. They're alive. And 
you know, they probably enjoyed the break from me as well. And granted, I'm I'm fortunate. I live with a husband. There's there's always another parent in that. Like you're lucky. There's another adult here. Hang with him for a while. So we have to sometimes. Again, I'm all about giving grace, self care, self talk for sure. Once you put yourself as the priority, and as the priority, like this is so important. The lessons that, especially if you have little ones, that's gold that you are teaching them how important they are to themselves, you know, so as opposed to when they're older and then they're in overdraft and, you know, their body's going to react to that as we've learned. Absolutely. And as, you know, as a, as a parent and, um, you know, if this is ringing true for any parents, the first thing I'd say is take it easy but as a parent if if you're constantly in the state of energy bankruptcy your ability to parent consciously has gone completely left the building whereas actually the more you can say actually the more I can invest in my time and energy to find out who I am and what's important to me you know even that's just a few mindful practices you know even five minutes on a morning before the chaos starts will put a deposit in your energy bank that will help you and because it otherwise it becomes quite a resentful relationship with the children because they're constantly demanding it children know no better than mommy this mommy that you know daddy this daddy that that's what they know you know they're not doing this to be unreasonable this is how they learn about the world they always have to touch stone back to a parent to then make sense of things and it is blooming hard job it's not yeah um, christ you know it ain't easy but worth every minute, but it's exhausting. And it's, and it's all of that. It's the best job. It's the holy crap, leave me alone. Of course you don't. It's everything. Take a little extra time. You know, I started when I was a couple of years ago, I went back to the gym and because I'm, I leave for work early, I'm tired when I get home. So I determined that morning is going to be my time. And I would, you know, wake up earlier. And I've said this before, I didn't just start waking up at four in the morning when I used to wake up at six in the morning. No, I gradually like the, let me try 530. Okay. Try the sun. All right. Listen, I can do 530. Let me, and also go to adjust my bed, you know, go to bed a little earlier, go to bed a little earlier. And yeah, I didn't jump out of bed at four o'clock when that alarm went off, but I didn't, you know, snooze it four times either especially after the third day when you start to feel good and you're like, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. And then you really look forward to it. And, you know, people are like, oh my God, I can't. I said, that's my time. You know, people are at the gym after work every day. I can't do that. I'm done. I'm, I got nothing, you know? So it's just, I choose it in the AM versus the PM, same 24 hours. Doesn't matter when we do it. So it's uh, it's little things like that. So what made you, I'm always just so curious about writing a book. It, is it like, do you just wake up one day and be like, you know what, today's a day, let me open that computer and just start typing? Or is it that little nag, that little push? Perhaps you talk about it with other people. Maybe then someone encourages you to write an outline. Like, how does that process even begin? I'm always so, so curious about that. 
Well, it does help that I've written one already. So I think once you've gone through the process, it does help to actually think about it. And it was a New Year's resolution. I, I, I came out of last year and thinking, okay, I've got quite a few tools and processes in my coaching programs. If I could summarize them into a book, I can make them affordable and accessible to as many women as possible. Because my passion and my goal is to get more women in positions of influence in the world because I feel if we get to a world which is more gender equal we get to a better world you know so that's very much my passion and my goal so that that helped me and I I did a little um, video of it on launch day and writing a book is just I mean it's not the hardest thing people think it's bigger than it is but you do have to dig deep in terms of your own motivation for it because you have to find the time to do it and send it out to people take the feedback swallow it refine the book and um, I did go on a book writing coaching program because I've, I've used a coach in the past and it's called book builder by the publishers actually rethink and I went on that program because I just knew I needed some energy around me to help me with it a fantastic uh, structure and they say you'll write your first draft in six weeks and you'll have the manuscript finished in three months quite strong claims and I did I'm pretty good when I'm a student. When I've decided to do something, and that's my goal, is heads down and get on it. I don't allow my mind to say, don't do that now. I'd rather watch a Netflix series. I don't allow that to happen. It's a goal. I'm going to do it. I get on and do it. And you mentioned I'm not a 4am person. Um, I'm not. I'm not somebody who gets up super early unless there's something I want to add into my day. So writing the book was it. So I got up at 6am for the six weeks I was writing and I wrote for a minimum of one hour a day. I said, that's it. You, you. And I knew that if I moved into my normal working day, which would be 7, 7.30, I would allow other distractions to happen. So it had to happen free distraction time. And that's what I did. Very dedicated and specific. Yeah. But the actual writing of it, you know, once I've got the structure again, the book builder helps with that. It works out your structure with you. You get feedback on your structure. You work out how you're doing it. And then it was the habit of writing every morning. Get up on my computer. I put the time on for an hour. I did my thing. Check my work out. Am I happy? If there was more coming out of me, I'd spend time on it. If there wasn't, fine. And if it was 300 words, fine. If it was 1,500 words, fine. I didn't judge any day's writing. I just said, just get on and do it. So actually, that's interesting because similar, I had used a, it's called the Podcast Accelerator course online and found it, talked about the podcast as everyone, you know, for like three years to the point where especially my kids were tired of hearing like, uh, you know, when, and, you know, random scroll. And I'm like, and their claim was eight weeks. And okay, I'm a, I like deadlines. I, you know, I say I like deadlines. I'm a liar because I like deadlines in theory, but then they're very hard. I find very hard because I'm going to think it and overthink it and wait till the last minute. Then I'm going to fall apart. Then I'm going to start to cry. And then I'm going to be like, what makes me think I could do this? And then I'm going to have my moment. And then I'm like, all right, of course you could do this. Like, just knock the shit off. Come on. Just, and then it happens. And, but, you know, like if you really, I know for, I don't know why for me, it's like the egg has to crack, uh, you know, Humpty Dumpty has to crumble down, but the Phoenix emerges. And again, like I said earlier, someone gave me a microphone. So who knew I would love it? 
but it was that time. And I knew I was then going to dedicate and I was going to stay up late. And that's a big deal for me because I protect my sleep. I was going to stay up late, you know, two nights a week because the class it was a live class late, eight o'clock, but I'm usually asleep by 830, you know, so I'm up, I'm engaged, then I'm going to, you know, and then I have, if I didn't finish the assigned work, I had, a, you know, I had until one in the morning our time because it was on, on Pacific time and, but boom, just again, just as they said, yes, they delivered and got into the habit, was taught the habit. I wouldn't have done this myself, nor kept the schedule because I didn't know. Yeah, sometimes having a process and parallel lines to work within is helpful. Even a creative process like developing a podcast or writing a book, you know, having some boundaries around it and some time bound boundaries around it helps us. And, you know, particularly if you like time, you like uh, what you've described is somebody who who likes to have a deadline so that when the pressure builds, eventually you will you will respond to it. Other people have a deadline and they actually have a chunk, 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 chunk towards it. Both are good. Both of them work. But it's like it's having that time bound to actually help. Other people, it doesn't work for them very well. But me, it does, without a doubt. Right. That is that is so good. So, and another thing before, because uh, you mentioned, have you used, you're a coach yourself. Have you used other coaches? To coach me? Yes. Yes, I have. I can remember one of the most influential times for me was when I was running a not-for-profit. Uh, so it was before I got into consulting and I was the CEO of, of this autism charity. And I had a coach um, during that time. And that was really beneficial because he really got me to look at what was going on for me. What were the things that were influencing my behavior, influencing my thinking and how I was working? And since then, I've got coaches for certain purposes. So when I've needed to learn something or when I'm struggling with something, I'll bring somebody in and have the conversation with me. And again, that it's funny enough, it's one of the chapters I put in the book because I had to learn this is um, feeling comfortable with not being good enough at something because somebody else out there will be good enough and they'll help you along the way. So that moving away from perfectionism and being open to feedback and coaches really help you with that. The feedback, as you we've touched on that a lot, and it's interesting. And I'm wondering, as let's say you have your idea as a writer and or a creator. I mean, I wanna. I'm working on an online digital course, and you have an idea. You know what you want to deliver. You know, or at the beginning, perhaps you think you know your audience, and then if you have good critiquers, I'll say, that are honest and, you know, well, you hit the mark here or maybe this or maybe that. How much do you own it? Uh, Like, wait a minute, like, is it possess it? Like, wait a minute. Well, no. Well, you just you just didn't understand it. Or do you present and be like, all right, you know, here are here's what I'm writing. What do you think? And then and because it speaks to so many people so many different ways. Like, well, when you said it this way, you know, it made me feel like that. Is that your message? Again, it's it feedback is, you know, that double-edged sword, but as a creator. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, it is 
So, so let me summarize a few things there, which is, you know, how do we receive feedback well and should we take all feedback equally? Let me put feedback into, into a wider context, which is we can only receive what we give. We can only give what we receive. So it's a bit like a two-sided coin. We have to feel comfortable giving feedback to open up our opportunity to receive it. We have to be open to receive feedback in order to be able to give it. So they really are symbiotic as a relationship. But feedback is our bridge to our more expansive, more aware self. It is not the only path, but it's one of the critical ways we find out about ourselves and open up to how we are, how we could be, and how we want to be in the world. So it is really, really important. But we, it is very much about understanding the giving and receiving, and both of them are important. In terms of how we receive feedback and not getting into the defensive, why do you say that? And I don't agree with you. The Teflon personal, know, right. All the... And let's take partners aside, because obviously partners we do that with. I have to say, my partner is my biggest supporter. She's also my biggest critic. I don't always receive it from her as well as everyone else. I know, you're not unusual. So if we take take that dynamic away, I always say, and it's interesting, you've just been to your um, daughter's wedding recently, is, is treat feedback a bit like a gift. Every gift is gracefully received thank you so much for the gift but when you unwrap it and look at it you can say actually do I want this gift is it of value to me or is it something like somebody's given to me and then I put aside and if we see it like that we don't need to be defensive so you know you, it, when we receive gifts at a wedding if we're the people receiving them we don't need to say oh, I didn't expect this take it back or that's too much or you know we take it we often don't unwrap it when they're there we say, thank you so much for that let me go away with that we send out the thank you notes usually equally to every person maybe we're a bit more when it's a big surprise but if we treat feedback like that, and then there's a little step extra. I love that. So, I love that yeah. metaphor. And it's perfect. And that's one I'll definitely remember. Go ahead. Absolutely. So when we've received that feedback, if we actually say, actually, that is a gift that I don't really want, and we can put it aside, we can choose to then just quietly allow that to go into the distance. Where it's been a wow, that was a really amazing piece of feedback for me. And I can see how powerful that is. We go out of our way to thank that person. And we say to that person, and this is how you've helped me. So this is the insight I've got, or this is what I've done differently. And this is what I've achieved as a result of it. So thank you. So we go out of our way to let the person know it was a value when it was a value. But if it wasn't, just say thank you very much. And if it's somebody who keeps giving us an unwanted gift, say, I see you want to help me you know, with this feedback. And I really appreciate that. But it's not as valuable to be to me right now. So thank you, but I'm not going to take it any further. So if it's a repeat, you just say thank you, but I don't need it. That's so kind versus, uh, you know what, keep your keep your feedback in. <laughs> the New York in me would be like, yeah, take yeah. it in. <laughs> okay, it's so kind, so kind and mm. you've been and graceful. This has been wonderful. I thank you. I love the metaphors. I've ordered the book. So tell everybody where they can find you, how we're going to get our hands on the book, all of your social handles. Go ahead. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So the book, as I said, is called um, The Female Edge, 
And that is obviously on Amazon. So uh, Amazon is the place you can get that. It's a Kindle and it's a paper version of the book. And you can find me on my website, findyourjoyfullife.com. It's a long website name, but it's not if you break it down. And uh, my email is mary at findyourjoyfullife.com. And I'm on um, LinkedIn, Mary Maguire. We will have everything on the show notes. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everything and more. I couldn't, uh, blown out of the water. And I can't wait till my book arrives. It's just, it's at the right time. Like, again, no coincidences. This whole season of who I'm connecting with. Yeah, what are the odds? What are the odds? You know, the Rican from New York is talking to the woman across the pond. It's it's crazy, but she is. We're here. So thank you again. I wish you nothing but success in this book, in, in, the, in your coaching, and I'm sure we will stay in touch. You know, I want to follow it along, and we're just starting our joyful journey, and I'm so glad our paths crossed. Thank you. Oh, so am I. Thank you. It is an absolute pleasure. It was a pleasure speaking to you today. And as I said, a real honor being on your show. So thank you very, very much. Thank you. All right, everybody. Oh, my goodness. Tears of joy. I'm so funny sometimes. And I really, I didn't realize that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. This is our, dare I say, 25th episode. Crazy, crazy. And time flies. And don't wait. That's, that's my takeaway. I, you know, at 60 years old, I'm talking in front of a microphone doing what's filling my heart. Anyone can do not if it's this, this go, go for it. It's whatever talks to you. So don't wait. Don't wait. Just try it. What's the worst? Okay. It didn't work. And then you keep moving. So with that, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Comments, website, www.joyfoundhere.com. Listen to us, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you hear your pods, rate, review, leave a comment. Oh my goodness, we've gotten so many new subscribers and we're just over the moon. And until next week, be well. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.